Hello, everyone, and welcome to our part two of our 2018 year in review for Some Like It, Scott. I'm Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. On today's part two of our year in review series, we're going to be reviewing the year that was 2018 for the movie trivia Schmodown. But before we get into the specifics, I'd like to go over an announcement which we have regarding the future of our Schmodown discussions on Some Like It, Scott. In order to make more engaging and easier to listen Some Like It's Got episodes going forward, we've decided to split up the Schmodown from our normal Some Like It's Got episodes. Rather than have our weekly segment on our episodes in which we discuss what has gone on in the Schmodown since we last recorded, uh, we're going to be doing a separate Schmodown podcast, which we're calling after the classic Andrew Guy line, Champ's Lunch. And we'll be doing this podcast, in, rather than bi-weekly, like Some Like It, Scott, we'll be doing it at the end of every month. So we'll be reviewing what has gone on in the Schmodown at the end of every month, and we'll be you know, talking about what's to come in the next few months. So a monthly Schmodown podcast uh, is coming, and that will be separate from our Some Like It, Scott podcast, where we previously discussed Schmodown episodes. Uh, so with that, Scott, uh, how are you doing today? Are you excited to get into the Schmodown discussion? Hey, I'm very excited to get into the Schmodown discussion. Obviously, we've already voted. I mean, the awards show itself has already happened. Of course, we're not going to see it since we weren't able to make it there in L.A. for another couple of weeks. But, you know, we've thought a lot about this, these awards already and, and thought a lot about the year uh, that, that was in the Schmodown already. And I'm really excited to talk about. And furthermore, I'm really excited in the, the new format we're going up for our Schmodown podcast you know, I always felt like we always had to be rushed on the Schmodown parts of our episodes just because we knew how long the show times were running. And we knew that, you know, the segment of our listeners who's listening to the Schmodown, you know, isn't everyone. And we weren't necessarily pulling through listeners to listen to the Schmodown. So I think making this episode will, one, I think more people will listen to it because we'll obviously have the people who are still interested in the Schmodown who listen to our podcast normally. But I think hopefully a bunch of Schmodown fans out there in the world will start actually listening to us for the first time and, and a full dedicated episode to it is, is exactly what I wanted and didn't know that I want until you mentioned that we should do this. And this once a month episode format is going to allow us to dive deeper into each match, not feel rushed. And then I'm really, I'm just, I'm really excited about this new format. Yeah. I mean, ultimately what our goal, I think you'd agree with me here is we want to be in that uh, best Schmodown after show podcast category next year at the Schmodown Awards. I know we're only uh, uh, three minutes into our first episode or whatever, but I think Totally attainable goal. Um, so watch out late to the party and, and all the belts. We're coming for y'all. Yeah, and also absolutely an outrage that we weren't nominated this year. I got to say. I know. I think the problem was we were we were hiding the ball under the name Some Like It, Scott. As clever as it may be, um, I'm not sure it really uh, it refers to the Schmodown in the way that, you know, all the belts obviously does. It's true. But I, I have to say, though, that... I think we've gotten more on the radar recently because our our some like it's got name is on the scroll of, of twenty dollar plus patrons. That's so true. I'm hoping and, I'm hoping that we can also get some on brand advertising. And I mean <laughs> in there. Hey, I I go through every single one of those patrons and Google their names, you know, looking for their podcast. So I can't believe, or I mean, sure, you know, surely we've attracted some Schmodown fans at this point. Um, but we'll see. I hope so. As you mentioned, uh, the Schmodown Awards just happened last night. Um, we don't know the results of those because the video will not be published until the end of the month. And but we'll be talking about you know who our picks might be for the Schmodown Awards um, in just a minute. But before we do that, Scott, I want to sort of get your high level take on season five of the movie trivia Schmodown because you know to give some background to those who might be listening for the first time, I've been a Schmodown fan for about a year and a half. Um, really got into it in the middle of 2017 burned through every single episode in a matter of a couple of months, you know, just really got hooked immediately. Um, although, you know, I, it did take, I, I was just watching for the trivia at first, but then eventually did get into all of the kayfabe um, and, you know, I'm fully in now, obviously. Um, 
But for you, this was your first season as a Schmodown fan. You know, I really, you know, got you into the Schmodown at the start of this season um, as something, you know, that we could talk about in starting up our Some Like It Scott podcast. Um, and, you know, you've obviously taken to it very quickly. We were sporting our Schmodown shirts when we were watching this spectacular. And I know you even told me that you were considering um, going up from Boston to New York for the live event, but unfortunately weren't able to because of some other commitments. But um, what is it about the Schmodown, I guess, or, you know, what were your general impressions of season five? How did you get hooked so quickly to the point where you were going to, you know, take the three hour bus ride or whatever it is from Boston to New York? Uh, just to see this live event, Scott. I just want to be—I want to be very clear about this. I would have 100% been at that event with a VIP ticket if I had not already committed to going on a company ski trip. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad you're not going because I would have hated you if you had gone. <laughs> Scott, I—I I was so devastated when I saw the, the live event. It was the only weekend in January that I, I couldn't go. Oh man, it was it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, like, Scott, you know that I'm kind of a a trivia bum. I mean, we whenever we're back in Chattanooga, we always make a point to go to trivia. That summer in 2017 that you're talking about when you got hooked on the Schmodown, every single week, almost you know, if not multiple times a week, we were going to trivia and, and playing trivia. And of course, that trivia is not movie specific, but. You know, it, it made so much sense. Like, a- after I graduated college, I really got to start seeing the number of movies that I wanted to see rather rather than being in college, you know, in the admittedly in the middle of nowhere um, in, in Massachusetts without too many options for theaters. There's only one indie movie theater that was accessible, and they only showed one movie a week, and they weren't always the biggest releases. But after graduation, I started seeing movies, you know, every week, every other week, um, m- much more often, and just really got in. To movies and I've always liked them but didn't really love them until that started happening and then when you presented me uh, with a show that was trivia and movies and also just really fun and interesting personalities it, it was easy to convince me to watch it once and then once I watch it once once you watch it a second time a few times like you maybe at first I only cared about the trivia but then you get into the personalities the storyline they all become really interesting and you know by the time the spectacular happens you know, is the highlight the highlight from the spectacular? I think for me, probably wasn't even any of the trivia. It was that Ben Bateman uh, getting tackled by Andrew Guy, and it's 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 stuff like that that makes this magical. It's not only just people who are interested in trivia, because I think almost anyone who watches this show, you kind of have to be interested in trivia, or you're only there for like a you know a, a tenth of the show or what it has to offer. Because ultimately, not you know, not every episode is getting storylines, and and not and not every storyline is going to resonate with every person, but. For me, I just love everything about this show. I think what Christian and and Mark are able to do creating it is wonderful. And, you know, Scott, I, I just can't say anything, but th- thank you for getting me into it. I mean, some of the best moments of my 2018, so not just in movies uh, or in life in general, but was, you know, I remember when we watched the free-for-all, not necessarily, not in person together, but, you know, over a online screen share service that we used. That was so much fun uh, staying up late that night till like 1 or 1.30 a.m. watching the free-for-all together was so great. And then, of course, the spectacular together, all seven-ish hours uh, that it was, six or seven hours, whatever it was, uh, together wearing our Schmodown shirts. I was wearing Champ's Lunch. You were, were you wearing the Shire Wolves? I don't, I don't remember. Um, it was, oh, the Five Club. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, it was just, God, it was just such a great time. And watching the Schmodown has become such an integral part of my week. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to be a, pa- a patron on, on on its Patreon page and, and donate a high tier. So getting to watch the exhibition matches, everything about the about the Schmodown in 2018, which was my introductory year, has just been fantastic. Yeah, I think what has always drawn me to the Schmodown um, and, you know, something that has only become more clear as Christian and Mark have been able to expand their vision over the years to the point where, you know, we started out with, Mark Riley and Alicia Malone sitting on a couch answering questions. And we're now, you know, having packing, they're, they're selling out theaters in, in California, you know, just to watch trivia matches. I think, you know, as, as that vision has expanded and as the Schmodown has become what it has become today, you know, the thing that has always been there is you see the passion that everyone involved for, with the Schmodown has uh, for the Schmodown and, and not just Christian and Mark, but the competitors as well. I mean, some of the most memorable moments of this year were, you know, those moments of passion from the the competitor. I mean, who, who competitors? I mean, who could forget that John Roca interview after the Founding Fathers corruption match 
um, where he really just sort of broke down there in the interview. Um, it, it shows what it means to, um, you know, everyone involved. And to me, when, when I see something like that, when, when I see something that matters so much to those people, it automatically makes me care more about it as well, because I see that, hey, you know, this isn't just some silly show. This is something that people put a lot of hard work and effort into. And yeah, when we describe it, as, when, when it gets described as movie trivia meets, you know, WWE style storytelling, it may sound like something sort of trite just on paper, but um, that, you know, the end product is anything but that. And I think, you know, what they have been aiming to do all along is to make each season better than the last. And I think they've done that. I think this has been the best season of the, the that season five was the best season of the Schmodown yet. And I think when we do this next year, I'll be saying the same thing about season six, because, you know, as they expand, as they do new things, uh, the Schmodown just, it gets better. And I, I, you know, there's, there's no ceiling at this point, I think for, for how good that it's been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously I only have this season to speak for, but you have, you have that breadth of knowledge from going back and watching all the different seasons. And, and from my perspective, it's just one of those things where, as far as I know, Christian and Mark just never take a wrong turn with the direction they're going with this show. And if they do, they're so in tune with what fans are saying, for better or worse. You know, I'm sorry that they have to deal with so much, but they they know when when something they do doesn't doesn't quite resonate with the fans, and they're very willing to be flexible with their plans. Obviously, that core vision is you know with Christian and and with Mark will will always re- will always remain core to what they're doing. So you know if people don't like the live events that is the goal of season six, which I'm sure we'll talk about later when we do a season six outlook, you know, they're going to stick with it and just try to make adjustments to make the live events better for people, not just scrap them all together. Right. They're just, they do such a good job being flexible within their vision, but not necessarily casting their vision aside. Just if a couple fans don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and with that, I think we'll, we'll get into some of these awards now um, and, and talk about, you know, what, what were our highlights from 2018, season five of the Schmodown. And I think we should say up front that obviously the award nominations have been sent out. We voted on our ballots um, through Patreon, but we're not confining ourselves to the, you know, specific nominees on that, you know, are on the ballot for some of these questions. I mean, for some of these questions like, moment of the year and match of the year. Uh, I think there were, you know, worthy candidates that didn't quite make it in the field of nominees. And so, you know, we may discuss those as well. So, um, you know, everything's on the table is basically what I'm saying. And with that, let's get into uh, the first one of the awards, which I want to discuss, and that is Star Wars Intergeekdom Player of the Year. Who did you have... um, as the winner in this category. And I know Mara Kanopic has, has taken herself out of consideration, but uh, for the purposes of, of this discussion, we should consider her uh, still on the table, of course. So um, who's your, who's your uh, pick for this one, Scott? Yeah. You know, I think this award and, and there were more candidates on the ballot than this, right? Just because they need to fill out the ballot, but it ultimately comes down to three people. You have Alex Damon in the star Wars division, and then you have Mike and Mara in the inner geekdom and, and Scott, honestly, you could flip a coin and a three-sided coin. It would have to be. And I don't think you could go wrong uh, with either of these three people. You know, when the revote happened after Mara took her name off the list, I think I did change my vote um, to Alex Damon for star Wars, for star Wars Inter- play of the year. Cause he's just so dominant. He's so good at what he does. Um, but the more I sit with it, the more I just feel like, you know, maybe he isn't the right pick. And you know, that puts me back with Mike or Mara. And I did originally pick Mara for inner geekdom player of the year. I, I have to say it. I think that it's so difficult. It's one of those awards where, you know, both in both of their matches, it came down to one question, one question only. And when, you know, Mike losing on the Iron Man arm, the robotic arms question, easily the hardest question I've ever seen in the showdown. I'm someone who's seen Iron Man several times, all the Iron Man movies several times, honest to God, could not have told you gotten anywhere near that answer. And I just think that it was the hardest question period. And that's the only uh, inner geekdom match he lost this past year. Incredible player in the inner geekdom division this past year. And then you have Mara who beat, you know, had what, I mean, what, what will be a candidate for match of the year. Probably when we talk a little bit later with, you know, Cushing versus Canopic in the inner geekdom semifinals tournament. And that, that absolute 
um, brutal match to watch in terms of how deep it went in sudden death and how physically exhausted both of them were for various reasons, but also just because these matches are exhausting. And, and you know, then ultimately the only match she loses of the year is one question in sudden death. And it's just so hard to pick between all three of these, these players because they have mastered their craft in their particular division. And so even though it's really tough for me to pick one, I'm ultimately going with Mara Kanopic. I think that her run to the title, her undefeated run to the title only to lose in sudden death, like the third or fourth question of sudden death is just something really, really spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I certainly can't argue with that. I think if you if you boil it down to just inner geekdom player, those are obviously the two candidates. And I think you can't go wrong either way, you know, for the reasons that you've mentioned. Both had their only loss based on one question, which, you know, was was difficult. Um, so, you know, I, I can't speak a bad word about what Mike or Mara did in the inner geekdom division. However, I let this slip on on a previous episode, but I actually voted for Alex Damon um, for Star Wars Intergeekdom Player of the Year. I think what he has done uh, in the Star Wars division has been nothing short of dominant, right? I mean, <laughs> that match at the Collider Collision, so, yeah, say what you want, he probably didn't have the best opponent, um, for sure. But, you know, his accuracy rate, of course, we'd have to get Frankie Numbers in here to know what the exact percentage is, but... It's got to be higher than Mike or Mara's was in Inner Geekdom. And okay, yeah, it's true that the Inner Geekdom, you have to know more stuff than, you know, than just Star Wars. But the the deep cuts that, you know, you get into in the Star Wars division, I mean, you have to know every single thing about every single one of these movies. And Alex Damon does. Um, and he won every Star Wars match that was played this year. Um, he, you know, he took down every single competitor that was thrown in his path. Um, and I think he's my pick and, you know, going forward, there's been some talk about the star Wars division maybe being abolished, but I did see this week that Christian talked about potentially we're going to get a Witwer, uh, Damon match at the star Wars celebration in Chicago. And honestly, I can't think of a better way to finish off the star Wars division, have that sort of as the final match, because honestly, I can't imagine that there's any two people in the world who know more about Star Wars than Alex Damon and Sam Witwer. And whoever wins that match, they are the Star Wars trivia champion. Uh, and I think that's the place to end the league. Uh, and, and for me, that's why I'm going with Alex Damon, because I think you know, people are naturally going to go towards the inner geekdom uh, <clears throat> on this category. But I think what he has done has been really incredibly impressive. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I saw where they're, they're actually going for two matches up at Star Wars Celebration, I think. I could be wrong, but one one match in the event in the event in the in, inside the event, and then one match outside the event, which that'll be cool. So I don't know the league's not dead yet, but I think they're gonna they may they might even scale it back even more. It's not gonna I don't think it's gonna be a focus, which not not that it was this year to be fair. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on now to another category where the name Mara Kanopic may come up, uh, and that is Rookie of the Year. I think. Again, you have some a couple of obvious uh, uh, candidates for for this one, but I'd be curious to know who you went with, Scott. You know, you know, absolutely. Of course, you can throw in Chance and and Janine into the conversation, and, and I would maybe even go as as far as you know, if you're just throwing out names to acknowledge Sean Gerber, another great rookie this year. Eric Eric Zipper, Eric Zipper is also up there on the list, I think. But for me, it's between two people: Mark Kanopic, who we've already talked about, and Ethan Irwin, who admittedly only had basically it was, it was only in the singles division and had one match in, in the team's division and during the anarchy tournament that didn't go his way. But the guy was utterly dominant in singles. His one match, his one loss uh, on his resume was to Mark Andreco on a five point question where he just didn't know the names of the Peter of the Peter Pan kids. Um, and, you know, so be it. That's the one, that's the one question. Uh, Grant, you could say, you know, maybe he should have lost to Clark Wolf if Clark had changed one word in her five point answer. But, you know, that's the that's the game. And Ethan Irwin, what, what he was able to do in the singles division for his run to the title uh, after, after suffering his first loss to Mark Andreco, and then before that, building up his reputation to me. Yes, he played more matches than Mara, and maybe that's ultimately why I'm going with him, uh, because he just had more time to shine at the end of the day. But what he did was really, really special. And I know that I said what Mara did already was special as well. But for me, Ethan Irwin, I mean, the guy is an absolute behemoth. And I one day I hope 
that Sam, like if it's an exhibition match or whatever, but I hope Sam Levine and Ethan Irwin get to go up against each other. You know, Ethan, probably superior in trivia knowledge. Sam, the superior player of the game. I'd love to see that go head to head. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ethan made history, right? He was the first ever rookie to win uh, a title. Although I guess if you want to be really technical about it, you could say that everyone was a rookie in that first season. So Mark Riley, when he won the first title, was technically a rookie. First rookie to win <laughs> but, the singles title because Mara, had, of course, had won the Intergeekdom title at that point. But Right, yeah. Uh, first, fir- first rookie to win the single title. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, like, th- it's, you know, talking about Alex Damon, how accurate he is, I mean, you could certainly make the same argument about Ethan. Like there is very little that this guy doesn't know. It doesn't really matter. The genre reminds me of Merle in his prime, but even better than, than Merle in his prime, to be honest. Um, and you know, he really lived up to the hype. You know, we go all the way back to that season preview show when, when Christian called his name as, as someone to watch. Uh, and with that LeBron level hype, uh, he, you know, he delivered with LeBron, uh, level results. I mean, right. Like this guy took down uh, everyone in his path, um, you know, with the exception of the Android. Again, you mentioned how close that match was, but within three matches, he had taken down Drew McQueenie, the Godfather, right. The team champion at the time. Uh, and you know, by the end of the season, he's beaten Clark Wolf, uh, who's the current team champion. He's beaten John Roca, the former two time singles champion, and he's beaten Dan Merle, uh, you know, who many consider to be the goat. So, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable what Ethan accomplished, uh, taking down pretty much every Schmodown legend you can name, of course, with the exception of Sam Levine uh, in this first season. And yeah, I, I imagine it's hard to see his momentum being stopped in season six. But of course, you know, he'll have his hands full with Merle to start the season. He beat him once, but it's hard to beat a really good player twice, whether it's football or Schmodown. All right, well, we'll move on now to uh, a category where I, I know for a fact we're going to have a difference of opinion, uh, and that is heel of the year. Who do you got? Yeah, Scott, I'm not going to fault you for what I know your pick's going to be, but Andrew Guy is the heel of the year, period. That's it. That's all you have to say. Okay. I don't, well, think, I mean, I don't think I need to say anything else. The guy is an absolute legend heel. His I don't know. Do you maybe want to want to talk about how he wasn't even part of the showdown for like the second half of the season? But, oh come on, man! Are you kidding me? You could say Kalinowski wasn't part of the showdown the first half, but that's not that's not true. He disappeared after that three way. He played in the first match. He had that team match with against Team Action. Uh, that wasn't in the first it, half of the season, was it? it? It was. Yeah, that was way prior to the collision. That was in like April. That was a devastating match, by the way. Okay, you can't. Okay, Kalinowski wasn't even a heel for half the year. But but that's the thing, right? Like we saw the turn happening even from the very beginning, right? When he came out as Cobra in that first match, he that was that was edgier than we'd ever seen Mike Kalinowski. We hadn't seen him, you know, but before he was coming out as Batman, and you know, he was always the hero. But that suggested something different. Um, you know, from the very beginning, the, this whole thing, even go back to the spectacular last year with Brienne. Brienne has always been more of a heel, if you want to be technical about it. So the fact that he aligned with her, um, you know, th- they were building this up for much longer, uh, you know, than than one might think. And, you know, it started with that DC movie news action match, right? Like, that's what caused Kalinowski to leave. Um so if we're so if we're being honest here, what caused Kalinowski to turn heel was Andrew Guy. Andrew Guy is the heel of the year, man. His entrance no. at the free for all devastated people. The devastated people. His entrance at the free for all when he imitated Dan Merle. Then at Collision, he beats Dan Merle in the singles match. Like we're going to talk about this later, but this is one of my moments of the year when he's standing on that table at the on the back of the Schmidt on set and and flipping the bird to everyone. It is such a good moment. He is such a good heel. Every single match, he's just trolling the crap out of people. And then, yes, he didn't have that many matches in the second half of the season after, you know, team action got split up in the Anarchy in the anarchy tournament. And then, you know, he just wasn't a contender after he lost to, was it was it Roka that he lost to? Roka, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that being said, I think he made a really deep run in singles. He gave himself a lot of matches. Like, I don't know his actual match count for the year, but it's pretty high. More than you'd expect for Andrew Guy, I think. And then, you know, of course, 
you know, my, uh, another candidate for me for moment of the year is him tackling Ben Bateman uh, at the spectacular. It's just the guy I get, I, I can understand and appreciate the argument for Kalinowski. I'm not going to fault you for it, but I'm choosing Andrew Guy. I think that in terms of pure heel, Andrew Guy is heel of the year. I mean, look, what it boils down to for me, just to get to it, is that, yeah, Andrew Guy had some very memorable small moments, but he did not These aren't change. small moments, man. These are huge moments in the showdown this year. They're huge moments, but they're moments, right? They didn't change the fabric of the league in the way that Mike Kalinowski did by instituting anarchy, by instituting the Intergeekdom tournament, by getting himself in that title match at the Schmodown Spectacular that he eventually won, right? He is the reason that he is the Intergeekdom champion. Like, he got himself that match, and he won that match. He is the reason that we're going to have way more Intergeekdom matches in Season 6, he is the reason why we may see another anarchy tournament or why, you know, some of these teams like who's the boss, you know, you talk about loving that Andrew guy, Ben Bateman tackle that doesn't happen if anarchy doesn't happen and anarchy doesn't happen if not for Mike Kalinowski. So and Mike Kalinowski turn heel doesn't happen unless Andrew guy yeah. makes him that's, feel like totally inferior. I think that was just a brutal end of that match with the action versus uh, DC movie news. It was, but that's not why Kalinowski it's true. It's true. He turned yeah. heel. He turned heel because he felt that his faction had abandoned him. And that match was the last straw when, uh, you know, he really felt like Johnny and Roxy and Adam and all those people, um, you know, had, had turned their back on him and they weren't cheering for him during the match. So, yeah, they lost the match to action, but that really wasn't why he turned heel. So that's why I go okay. with Kalanick, just for the effect that he had on the league at a macro level, um, I think far outweighs, you know, the, the great moments that Andrew Guy undoubtedly had this year. So that's why Kalinowski is my heel of the year. Hey, that, but, that's totally fair, Scott. I, I do hear your argument. I yeah. think that you, you're not wrong. He obviously had a huge impact on the league. And, you know, there was some debate earlier on in the year whether he was a heel or not. I think by the spectacular, it was clear he was he's he was a heel, right? You know, he, he's giving himself that match. Of course, you know, if Jason Inman is available, then... Um, you know, maybe the story's a little bit different. He looks a little bit less like a heel because we just have a number one contender match. Uh, I mean, Christian has broken kayfabe and, and said that point blank. But yeah. I, I think that it, we were graced with two spectacular heels this year, Scott. And I think we can both agree with that. Yes, I, I completely agree. I, I won't discount what Andrew did. Andrew Guy did at all. I mean, we're naming our, our podcast after him, the Schmodown Podcast, going forward, so... This isn't moment of the year candidate for me, but um, kind of just like cutaway scene. One of the best cutaway scenes of the year is, is him talking to Mark Riley, asking him if he's going to see him at Champ's lunch when he's just walking <laughs> around the Collider office. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at the other side of the coin now and move on to face of the year. Um, a lot of good choices, I think, in this category. Um, but who's your pick? It came down to three, ultimately, for me. And I think that I did vote for... Oh, should I actually, I'm not even 100% sure who I ended up voting for. I think I voted for Clark Wolf for this. But to me, it comes down to three people. Clark Wolf, Rachel Cushing, her partner in the Shire Wolves, and Sam Levine, right? I, t- to me, it's tough. I want to go with Sam just because I think you got to give him first half of the year credit for finally being, you know, one of the people who can take down the Patriots, right? The evil reign of the Lions Den and the Patriots, although not entirely due to Sam, a major, a major part of it, him unraveling the Lions then, and then of course defeating the Patriots not once but twice. And to me, that's if there's not a face of the year moment or face moment of the year category, it would definitely go to that. But Clark Wolf for her body of work this year, probably face face of the year candidate for sure. And again, I can't even remember who I voted for, but I, I think I'm, I'm now I've convinced myself to go with Sam Levine. Well, I actually voted for your third person there uh, in that triumvirate you mentioned. I went with Rachel Cushing because when I think about this award, you know, it's it's face of the year. So it's not just about their playing ability. Right. And maybe, you know, if you look at what they accomplished this season, you might say that Clark had a slightly better year statistically than Rachel. And, you know, part of that is Rachel. I'm not even sure that's true. I'm not, I'm not even sure that that's true, honestly. I know Rachel just had fewer matches, so it's hard to say. But well, if you look at the statistics, right, like R- Rachel was great this year yeah I'm, I'm certainly not discounting that i think they both got title shots right in the singles division uh rachel almost went all the way in intergeekum so it's certainly comparable um you know when you when you put them side to side but 
my point is when I'm thinking about face of the year, you got to think about too, who is the hero, right? Like, like who is the antithesis of Andrew Guy? Like who represents everything that Andrew Guy or Mike Kalinowski, you know, is opposed to. And for me, that's Rachel Cushing. You know, she's faced a lot of criticism for completely inane and stupid things in the past. Sounds right. She went out there in that match against Mara Kanopic, even though she was very ill and, you know, went eight rounds deep or however much it was in sudden death. And every time she comes out there, you know, she represents what is good and what is positive about the Schmodown. And she's not afraid to go toe to toe and, you know, jaw with Andrew Guy or, you know, any of these great heels in the league. Uh, you know, she'll stand right up to them and, and, you know, say what the fans and what, you know, those of us who root for the faces, you know, want her to say. Uh, and, you know, her commitment to every aspect of the Schmodown, not just the trivia, but also uh, the entrances and just the whole kayfabe and the, all the pageantry of the Schmodown. Uh, for me, she's the face of the year. And, and she's, um, you know, it, again, if you if you have Andrew Guy or Mike Kalinowski on one side of that coin, she's the natural other side of the coin for me. I totally agree with that. I, I think that you're you're spot on. I actually, for the exact same reasons that you've elaborated, I actually think Clark Wolf is more of the face between the two of them. I, that being said, I, I understand what you're saying around Rachel. She she's I think she's more willing to bite back at the heels when they snap at her. And, and Clark's maybe a little bit more classy to use her to use her uh, salutation, <laughs> classic Clark Wolf. And so to me, I think maybe it's just a slight difference in how I perceive uh, faces is what tips it. If I had to choose between one of those two, tips it more toward Clark. But I totally support a, a, a Rachel vote there because you just can't go wrong. And she, if you want someone to stand up to the heels in that way, not just with their game, I mean with their game, but not just with their game by, you know, jawing back at them as you describe, Rachel is definitely the superior of the two between her and Clark. Okay, great. Well, let's move on now to uh, one we've, we've hyped up a little bit here. And this is one where I think we may go beyond the bounds of the nominees, and that is moment of the year you know there, there were so many memorable moments in this season i call it the best for a reason what were you know you, you can you can limit yourself to one but if you want to mention more what were some of your standout moments of of the year for the yeah if i had to narrow it down to two and i'm, and I'm not including the five horsemen reveal because for me i just don't have that history in the schmodown to appreciate that as much as someone like yourself right to me it was an amazing announcement I understood the spectacle of the announcement, but I didn't, it wasn't the moment of the year for me because I didn't appreciate the announcement the same way as someone who's watched the entire showdown. Right. So I'm not including that in my moment of the year, though. I understand if, you know, if that's what wins at the showdown awards and if that's what you pick, my hands are up and saying, Hey, I get it. It just wasn't that for me. Um, but for me, the moments of the year, or there were two of them. Uh, one of them I've already talked about guy TKO in Merle. This wasn't on the nominees list. But I think, and I think it's kind of a crime that it wasn't. Um, granted, I also would have thrown like three Andrew Guy moments as moment of the year on on this list. So if there was a nomination list that I got to choose, but Guy TKOing Merle, still I've said it already. Jumping up on the desk and flipping birds at everyone is. I still like. I go back and just rewatch that moment because it's it's just amazing. When I was watching the collision uh, in my apartment, it was one of those things where like I was up on my couch like jumping up and down because I was just so in awe of the fact that he was able, able one, just to beat Merle and TKO him. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. And then the other moment for me is above the line, not just beating the Patriots once, but then again at the collision. So I'm taking two months on the collision here. This is insane. Um, at the collision, beating them in the Ironman match. So, you know, Patriots above the line three here and Drew McWeeny's response when they win the Ironman match, hell hath no fury like Drew McWeeny when he wins against the Patriots for the second time. I tell you, Scott, uh, among, Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it was funny that reaction. Cause it came after people were criticizing him after they won the first match against the Patriots for like not being enthusiastic enough in his joy at their winning. So I think he just kind of came out and overcompensated almost this time. Cause man, yeah, you're right. I've never seen a winning reaction quite like that. Even from, you know, John Roca himself. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are, you know, you can sprinkle in some other nominees, but those are the two biggest ones. Like, of course, the the Bateman tackle uh, in the spectacular great moment. Just, I mean, we've already talked, uh, or no, we're going to talk about match of the year 
in just a moment. But, you know, that kind of team, the team title match of the spectacular, even when it was over, the kind of face turn of Dagnino and Bateman. Honestly, I don't think that's been talked about enough, man. That's a huge moment in the Schmodown. It was probably overshadowed by the guy tackle, I guess. But a huge moment in the Schmodown. Absolutely huge. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I'm going to have to go. There, there's no moment this year that got me more off my feet, on my couch, jumping up and down than Guy, TK, and Merle. So I, I just have to pick that moment. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, it was certainly an amazing moment. You know, I was rooting for the match to go the other way, obviously. So I didn't uh, have the same positive reaction as you did. But, I mean, you can't deny what a, uh incredible and, and shocking moment that was in Season 5. Um, and so it's probably not a surprise, with that having been said, that I'm going with the Five Horsemen reveal as the moment of the year. For me, this is the best moment ever in the Schmodown. Um, I think that if you watch that montage, it was at the beginning of the, the McQueenie Irwin match. You know, they showed that, that video, that compilation of all of the different reactors as they watched that moment. And watching that, watching the crowd's reaction at the live event, when the reveal happens, says all you need to know about what this moment meant to Schmodown fans everywhere not only, you know, number one, seeing Mark Riley back, uh, you know, in action, seeing that, you know, he he was making his return to the league, exciting enough. But then, you know, Merle's reveal after it had been hyped up so much, right? You had the fake out at the at the free for all. There have been all kinds of talk about is when when is he going to come back? You know, is he ever going to come back? And just the way that Christian and, and Mark, you know, created this whole scenario, like I can't imagine that whole reveal being done in a more satisfying way than right there, you know, in front of team action, in front of that whole raucous live audience, um, you know, just in the manner that the whole thing went down. It was an unequaled moment in Schmodown history, even if, you know, Merle may have not, his comeback may have not gone the way that he wanted it to. Look, he's got a title shot to start the season. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in season six. And it's just great to have, all those guys back in the league and, you know, as, as part of one great legendary faction. So that moment for me was, like you said, the the one where I literally gasped out loud, not only at Riley's reveal, but of course at, at Merle's reveal as well. Um, and so that was the one for me. Yeah. And, and quick shout out here before we move on to the match of the year. I do want to say uh, not necessarily a moment of the year, but uh Heart a heartfelt goodbye to Matt Nost, a, a true absolutely, yeah, a true a true man of the Schmodown. Um, well, well, he will be missed. Although, hopefully, we'll be seeing him around. Yeah, no, you know, he, he's he's one of those guys that's been there from the beginning since that first team <coughs> team tournament back in 2015. So uh, bittersweet to see him go. Um, he added a lot of humor to the Schmodown, but you're right. I'm sure we'll still see him around. But let's move on now to the two big awards. First of all match of the year so many great candidates um what what did you ultimately go with yeah i ultimately went uh well i was kind of deciding between three matches right uh first i have well okay four matches first i have cushing versus canopic in the inner geekdom semifinals amazing match we've talked about it already going almost uh, i mean anywhere i mean almost almost 10 i don't think it was all the way to 10 questions but almost 10 questions deep and then you you also have the I think above the line versus Patriots too. So the the first time the above the line beat the Patriots. I think that's an absolutely amazing match. Great match for the match of the year. And then Shirewolves uh, versus Who's the Boss at the Spectacular. Another strong candidate for match of the year. I think uh, we've had a lot of matches that have been spectacular this year. And and then to have that conclude the teams division for the year was something really special. Obviously, I was rooting for Who's the Boss. And, you know, I still love the Shire Wolves, uh, but it was such a great match to watch, a, a great a great contest uh, and a great moment, even even still, even though Who's the Boss didn't win, great moment when the Shire Wolves retained the belt. And then finally, I think um, you could pick several of Ethan Irwin's matches to add to this list of matches of the year. But I think for me, and, and the one that's been underhyped the most, I mean, he's had some great, he had a great match with Merle, a great match with Clark, a great match with Roca. I mean, he's had so many good matches. But you know, one of his one of his first ones against Lon Harris, one of the I mean, still is that the highest scoring point total match in the Schmodown? I don't even know. It's, Probably. There's, yeah, it's that is amazing, 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 amazing match. Uh, and for me, 
Scott, I know that we've talked about this off air before. I voted for Shirels versus Who's the Boss. Is there a recency bias to that? You know, it's completely possible. But to me, the reason that this is the match of the year is not just because of the performances that were put in, because I loved both of these teams. Um, and I was happy with either one winning. Yes, the team that I ultimately wanted to win a little bit more than the other didn't win. But two spectacular teams, um, two great performances from both teams, and two teams that I can't wait to see what season six has in store for them. Shire Wolves versus yeah. Who's the Boss. Yeah, no, that that was a great match. Um, and, you know, when I think about match of the year, I really think it, it really boils down to three things for me. First of all, obviously, the quality of the play is one. Gotta gotta be you know a pretty high scoring match. Good trivia knowledge on display. The second thing is this match. I want the match to be significant, right? I want it to have implications that go you know far beyond just this match and and you know but reverberate throughout the league. And the third thing I want is no controversy because you know there were, we had our fair share of controversial matches this year, and you know regardless of whether you agree or not with the decisions that were made, I think unfortunately controversy and, and it, you know it's not something that could be prevented but it tainted some otherwise really strong matches and that for me kind of disqualifies something from being a match of the year candidate but i'll give you know a few shout outs to matches that didn't make the list um uh, of nominees but the clark wolf kalinowski match was a great match um mm-hmm. in the season for a, a you know number one contender spot went to sudden death both both players hit their five-point questions, and Clark was able to pull it out. But really, this was where Kalinowski sort of made his comeback because he he had such a, a poor showing in that first match of the year. And then this was – he went away for a while. We didn't see him in a match for a little bit. And then he got another chance when Clark when, – when the five club used that that uh, title or number one contender shot that Emma had won in the manager bowl, and they got Kalinowski in there. And he played a, an incredibly good match – just couldn't come out uh, on top on that sudden death. So that was a match that missed out for me. Uh, the first Shire Wolves match, right, against the Lions Den, Ken Na- Great match. Tom Dagnino. Um, definitely Ken and, and, and Bobby Gucci put up a better fight than you would have expected, forced the Shire Wolves to answer some questions in that in that last round. And I, I you know, but I think, you know, the Shire Wolves being the most hyped team probably ever, you know, before they ever even played a match in the Schmodown. To come out like that and you know quiet any doubters um, in that first match by by taking it home and also with the great Rockford Peaches entrance in that match as well. Um, that one I would have liked to see that one in there as well, but unfortunately it just missed out on the nomination list. The other one which just missed out was that action and DC movies news match that I mentioned um, earlier. You know that was a great really uh, suspenseful match that. You know, DC Movie News played extremely well. They got that five-point question, uh, threw it over to Action, who had to answer their five-pointer, and you know, in classic Action fashion, they 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 delayed the answer out. And you, you you know, it's unclear whether they knew the answer the whole time. They certainly reacted like they did after they got the answer right, um, or whether they took a good guess. But um, you know, the that moment there where it's always a great moment when Christian belts out that and your winner and you don't know what name he's about to say. I love that. that that's the, that, that is, you know, match by match. If you get one, of, if you get a moment like that in a match, you know that like you're going to, you know, even if you're devastated with who ultimately gets announced as the winner, it's such a good feeling. Yeah. And, you know, just seeing the reactions, both of action and then the dejected reactions of DC movie news. Oh, it's devastating. Honestly, just like a gif of them. I, I saw a gif circling around and it's just brutal. Yeah, no, but that that was a very memorable match that didn't make the list. But my pick for match of the year is Patriots versus Above the Line 2. I think this one checks all the boxes for me. Great, high-quality match, both teams scoring in the 30s, I believe. You know, second of all, extremely significant match in the history of the Schmodown. The first ever loss for the Patriots, something that, you know, we wondered if it would ever happen, especially after they beat Above the Line the first time. Um we just want it just seemed like this the patriots you know were were destined to never lose um but you know above the line able to pull it out and you know no controversy in the match either um so not tainted by that and, and for me that was uh you know the the standout match although you know i could keep going down the list um there was 
about one a week. At, at one point in the season, it seemed like every match we were getting was a match of the year candidate. So a stacked. Can- it did feel that way. Do what? No, it did, I was just saying it did. It did feel that way for a while. We were we were spoiled. Yeah, but I'm going with Patriots above the line too, um, and that brings us to our final category: the big award. Uh, I guess you could say uh, uh, for the Schmodown Awards, Player of the Year. Who you got? Yeah, to me, Mark Knopic had a great year. It ended on a sour note just for her losing. And I'm not talking about the way that she ultimately has bowed out of the Schmodown. Not at all. Not at all describing that. Just a sour note for her to have such a great season. And it's hard to overcome a loss in your final match, I think, uh, of the year when it comes to player of the year candidate. And um, for me, even though... Uh, even though Clark also lost her final match of the season. Although, no, I take that back. She didn't because technically her last match of the season was... No, it was the last... Sorry, I was actually... I'm getting my getting my timeline in the spectacular messed up. She did technically lose her last match of the season, but she also retained her title, uh, her team title at the, um, at the spectacular. So it wasn't a total sour note from that perspective. Um, so to me, it ultimately comes down... Having said that, to me, it only comes down to Clark Wolf or Ethan Irwin. And it's really tough. Scott, I mean, Ethan Irwin, we've already both picked him for Rookie of the Year. And, you know, the only thing that is kind of the quote-unquote saving grace for Clark in this battle, I think, is her dominant season in teams. Right? Like, for me, if it weren't for the Shire Wolves, Clark couldn't hold a candle to Ethan's year. But the problem is, of course, Clark crushed it all year in teams. I mean, she crushed it all year in singles too. She just had a couple losses, right? Uh, and to me, you have to look at things holistically. And I think it's a really, really tough decision. If Ethan had made a little bit deeper of a run in the Anarchy tournament, made you know, given he he didn't have any chemistry with his partner, they were put paired together. Was it Yolanda Machado? I think he was his, no, was his partner. Sabina Graves. Oh, Sabina Graves, right? You're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he and Sabina Graves. A good team, but faced a really tough first round. If they'd made any sort of uh, threatening run into the Anarchy Tournament, I might ultimately come down on the side of Ethan Irwin, Player of the Year. But for me, it's Clark Wolf. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think I agree with what you're saying that for me, Player of the Year, you have to look at multiple divisions. And that's why for me, it comes down to Clark Wolf, Rachel Cushing, and Sam Levine. I think for the reasons I talked about with Andrew Guy, with him kind of, being away for, you know, a large part of the season, that kind of knocks Sam out of there for me, even though, you know, what he accomplished is historic uh, and may never again be equaled in the Schmodown. Um, but that brings that, you know, that kind of leaves it to the Shire Wolves themselves, right? <clears throat> Do you go Clark or Rachel? Like, personally, I think you can't go wrong either way. Uh, but for me, I went with Clark Wolf, um, you know, partially because I went with Rachel for that face of the year award. But also I think, just a little bit more consistent singles play this year. Uh, you know, she she had sort of gotten over the hump that she struggled with in the past. You know, the ultimate showdown has always been kind of a bugaboo for her, losing in the first round twice. She got over that hump, right? She made it to the finals. She was one word away from getting in that title shot at the at the spectacular, which would have been her second singles title shot of the year, right? Because she already had one against uh, Sam Levine that went to all those sudden death rounds. Um, and she, you know, unfortunately came out on the losing side. But then, of course, her accomplishments in, in teams, Shire Wolves didn't lose a match. Amazing player in teams as well. Uh, compliments Rachel extremely well. And so for me, I, I, I you know, I could have gone either way, but I did give it to Clark uh, just because I think the progress that she has made from past seasons, um, you know, not that she wasn't a great player in the past, but now Christian said it in the tweet that he put out, but She's one of the greatest of all time um, after this season. Uh, and so I think she's absolutely deserving of an award. And I think this is this is the one where uh, she deserves to get it. Yep. Uh, clearly, we both agree. So we can end on a high note of us agreeing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, before we, you know, finish uh, this this initial Schmodown episode here, I want to look ahead to season six really quick. First, I want to ask. Before we get to some predictions for the live event, what, you know, in general, what are you looking forward to in season six? Because we got a lot of new stuff coming, obviously. Yeah, now <laughs> I, I kind of jotted down a couple notes here of things that I'm really looking forward to in season six. And, you know, the first one is just the fact that the whole 
I, I guess you could say that the entire hook of season six is these monthly live events that are going to be happening. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm excited for what that's going to, what that's going to feel like when I watch those, we, you know, whether I'm live streaming them or watching them shortly after, and, you know, maybe we'll get to watch a few of them together if we use, uh, you know, whether we use Rab like rabbit, which we've used in the past, or if we just watch them simultaneously online and, and talk back, you know, you know, on the phone with each other. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm hoping that it has the same energy of the, you know, full live events that they're, that they're doing in, in places, you know, like New York, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So yeah, just, just the idea of more live events. I mean, that that's the big selling point for season six, right? And, and I'm really looking forward to that. I hope that Christian and Mark have the support of the community. And it seems like they do. I mean, we're already over 4,000 patrons now on the Patreon page and the season hasn't even started yet. So I'm really, really hoping that not only have we increased the number of patrons, but that people are upping their pledge amounts too. I'm hoping people are upping their pledge amounts to the $10 level, to the $11 level, because the content is there, right? The exhibition matches worth $10 a month, in my opinion. You know, the live events certainly worth, I mean, I imagine they're going to be worth $11 a month to see them live. So I'm just really hoping that that support exists there. And, you know, everything that I'm seeing on Facebook, on the Facebook page, you know, from Christian talking about how things are going, I think things are on the right track. And I just hope they stay on track all year. Some of the other things I'm looking forward to include the uh, civil war that we're seeing between team action. I absolutely cannot wait to see how that plays out uh, in the kayfabe and in the matches themselves over the course of the year. And kind of going along with that as will, you know, Ben, Ben and, and Dagnino have, have kind of had their face turned. You saw Dagnino shake MF5's hand, you know, Ben was congratulatory and conciliatory in his post-match interview at the spectacular. My question is, you know, will they stay face? Will they join the horsemen? I'm really excited to see what's going to happen there. And then finally, the other big thing I'm looking forward to is will the Shire Wolves continue uh, their dominance in the team's league? I think that they have a lot of really great challenger teams that are also in that division now, thanks to the Anarchy uh, tournament. And I'm hoping that they get a lot of uh, some more really tough matches to defend the belt. And, you know, even if the Shire Wolves isn't my favorite team right now, who's the boss is, um, I'd love to see them continue to be dominant and have just some more spectacular title matches. Yeah, you know, those are all all great things right there. I think you did a good, you know, sort of general survey of what we all have to look forward to in season six. And for that reason, I'll keep it to one specific thing that I'm looking forward to, and that is the live free-for-all that we're going to get coming up in March, uh, I believe, uh, or, or April. Um, you know, the free-for-all for me is always the the best of the, the three pay-per-view events. I always enjoy it the most just because of the format of it is great. Um, you know, anybody can win. Honestly, any this this year, you know, you look at that final table, we could have seen Wendy Lee or Greg Alba get a title shot. I mean, how insane would that have been? Um, you know, the the sheer range of competitors is great. And I think having it in front of a live audience, you know, reacting to each reveal of a new competitor is going to just make it even more fun than it usually is. So really looking forward to the live free for all coming up. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, there was already already kind of a huge crowd in the Collider Studios, of course, when they're recording the free-for-all, mm-hmm. but it's going to be amplified even more as a live event. It's going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Finally, before we conclude, Scott, I got to ask, we got two matches coming up, start season six. Let's start with the undercard. Who you got between Chance and Janine? You know, it's been a little bit since we've seen Janine in action, and, and Chance too, for that matter, to be fair. You know, both of them, well, I shouldn't say both of them, they, they did both bow out of the singles tournament around the same time. Janine, of course, losing in that sort of um, gauntlet tournament, the mini gauntlet for the last place. She lost to Ben Bateman, who was on a very hot run at the end of last season. And then Chance, you know, unfortunately, you know, he had, you know, the toughest of tough first round matches in in the tournament, right? You can't, he can't, uh, you can't do much about it when you, when you go up against someone like Ethan Irwin in the first round. Of, of the single ultimate showdown tournament. And I'm excited to see them back. I think chance I'm given, I'm given the edge to chance here. I think he's not, he hasn't had as many matches as Janine. So we don't quite yet know the true breadth of his experience on, in the singles division and how deep his knowledge goes. But every sign that we've been given so far is that his knowledge is deep and the kids got game. I mean, honestly, I think he could have beaten uh, some of the other people in the singles tournament. It's just the fact that he came up against the winner of the tournament in the first round that, put him out of it. And, and Janine, I just don't think she has that 
X factor, that next level of knowledge. And I'm not saying it's not possible that she comes back this season and has that knowledge. She should, she could absolutely surprise me at this live event and beat chance. She may have been studying incredibly hard over these past few months since the Schmodown spectacular, or really since she bowed out of the singles tournament. Um, but right now from what I saw in 2018, I don't know if Janine can go fully toe to toe with chance but I'm optimistic that she's been studying up, that she's been working really hard. I think this league and the Schmodown in general matters a lot to her. They're both, they've both been fans of the Schmodown before they joined the league this past year. And I think, you know, if there's not a better motivator than the, the spectacle of the Schmodown live event for both them to be in it, in a live event, if there isn't a better motivator than that for them to show up with their A game with as much studying done as possible, I don't know what is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the edge a chance. Yeah, I got to lean towards Chance as well. I think, you know, as you pointed out, his matches that he's lost have kind of been a result of him getting unlucky more than anything. I think he showed off a huge breadth of knowledge uh, for, you know, someone who's like even younger than us, I think. Yeah, he is. My understanding is that he's like 21 or 22. It's shocking. And I think Janine, you know, her one big match that she had this season was that triple threat match at the collision. And she kind of melted in that third round and ended up handing the game to Andreco. Um, so I agree. I totally agree with what you say. It's possible she has beefed up. And I, you know, I expect that she has as a, you know, hungry competitor. But I'm going to give a slight edge to Chance just based on the evidence of what we have actually seen so far. Um, but again, like you said, would not be surprised to see uh, Janine come out on top as well. She has surprised me before. So it's true. Uh, the title match. Let's uh, let's do it. Uh, we got a rematch. Um, obviously, Ethan Irwin came out on top the first time, but you can never count out the goat. Who you got? I've got Ethan Irwin, man. I, I know it's it's not maybe, maybe it's not fun to pick Ethan Irwin in the, in this matchup, but I, I don't. I mean, it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a TKO this time, right? I mean, he did TKO Merle in their first matchup in the semifinals of the Ultimate Showdown singles tournament. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I do think that Irwin is is gonna is gonna keep uh, is gonna keep uh, Merle away from a, a third time a, a third singles title belt. Um, and I think that he just has more. Again, Dan's had a few months to study up and get really sharp, and maybe you know Ethan with his belt isn't going to be as rigorous in his study. Maybe he gets a little complacent. It's totally possible. I have no idea, but big time. Is, is in the big time in New York at this live event, and I think he's going to thrive. I think he's going to defend the belt. I think it's going to come down to the last question, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be Ethan Irwin. And honestly, you know, looking at it, you know, you can never count out rookies. I mean, you know, we saw what Ethan Irwin and Mara Kanopic did this year, so we don't know who's on the horizon for season six. But, man, if Ethan Irwin can win this match – it's hard to see anybody who's going to take him down in the league right now. I mean, you know, Clark Wolf came really close. Maybe she's someone you could point to. Maybe Rachel, um, if she, you know, kind of puts her, her energy back into singles, which she didn't do a lot of this year. She, you know, she turned back towards the inner geekdom. Maybe we'll see her lean more into the inner geekdom. I think it really depends on that. But he's kind of an unstoppable buzzsaw at the moment. And I think if he gets past Merle, it's going to be a while before someone could take that title from him. I have a quick question for you, and I think the I think I know the answer already. But do you think Sam Levine would come out of retirement to take on Ethan Irwin? I think he would. You do? I thought you were going to say no. We've already seen what he has. I mean, he's already come out of retirement to do like a couple exhibition matches, right? So mm-hmm. I think he's still the desire to play is still there, and I think if Ethan Irwin is champion for long enough, people are going to be clamoring for this match just as that, you know, just like they were clamoring for Merle to come back just, you know, as they were, were clamoring for Mance versus Roka three, which I won in season six. Um, and I think I was really hoping they would do that as the undercard match. Oh, that would have been amazing. But I think at a certain point, yeah, like I said, if Ethan is champion for a long time there, you know, Christian and Mark aren't going to be able to ignore it they're going to have to try and get Levine back in there, even if it's just for one match, uh, you know, to kind of see which of them is the, is the better of the two. Cause I know that everyone in the Schmodown 
uh, you know, world wants to see that match. Yeah. And the number of title defenses that Sam had, I think he's deserving of a, of an automatic rematch whenever oh, he wants absolutely. it. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. That is our Schmodown year in review. Um, we look forward to discussing the Schmodown in, in, you know, considerable detail coming up um, with our, with our monthly episodes of, of champs lunch. But for now, we thank you for, for tuning in um, to this first ever Schmodown only episode um, featuring us, the, the hosts of some like it, Scott, if you haven't checked out some like it, Scott, uh, we hope you'll check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Podbean now. Um, and rate, review, and subscribe to us. All of the Champs Lunch episodes will be in the Some Like It Scott feed. Um, so just subscribe to that feed and you'll you'll get all of our new episodes. Uh, and don't forget about our Patreon as well, Media Plug Pods on Patreon. Um, we would love it if you supported us there. But if not, of course, we always appreciate the, the listen and the subscription. Uh, and, and we thank you for your support in whatever uh, means you can provide it. Uh, and yeah, so that's it for this episode. And we will see you on the next episode of Some Like It, Scott, uh, when we'll be reviewing Glass and If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, so join us for that. But until then, I'm Scott Harvey for Scott Shelton. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.